Welcome to the Advent Houston podcast. At Advent, our mission is to embrace, embody, and extend the grace of Jesus Christ to the Texas Medical Center, Rice University, and the surrounding neighborhood. We're glad that you're here with us today. Good afternoon. Um, for those of y'all I haven't had the chance to meet, my name is Taylor Leachman. I'm uh, the planting pastor here at Advent, and um, we are uh, in the middle of a summer series, um, and uh, and that's you know some of the reason that things maybe feel a little bit funny today, uh, why we weren't entirely sure who was taking the children, um, but. Uh, but we are working our way through a, um, a summer series called Wisdom for the Way uh, in the book of Proverbs. And, and last week we had a guest preacher, uh, the RUF campus minister at Rice University. If you don't know RUF, it's um, the, the Presbyterian Church's den- uh, our denominational ministry to college students. And so Curtis Shields, who is that campus minister at Rice, led off the series in in a discussion on Proverbs 1, kind of the beauty of wisdom and our need for wisdom. Um, And today we'll see Solomon, the author of Proverbs, picking up a little bit more uh, on that particular theme um, as he describes wisdom as a person, um, as someone who needs to be listened to and as someone who should be followed. Uh, And so with that said, I'm going to read for us um, from Proverbs 8, uh, verses 1 through 13a. Uh, So you can read along with me in your bulletin or or, uh, in a Bible if you have one as well. This is uh, God's word. Does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? On the heights beside the way at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Besides the gates, beside the gates in front of the town, at the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call, and my cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right. For my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There is nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than choice gold for wisdom is better than jewels and all that you may desire cannot compare with her. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Father, we uh, we do thank you. Um, We thank you that this is your word and we thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, that as we consider it this evening, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and um, hands and feet to, to do your will, to follow up on it, Father, and follow Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. Um, my family loves to go hiking. Uh, when I was a kid, we grew up every single year going uh, to Estes Park, Colorado. If y'all have ever been uh, to the Rocky Mountain National Park, we would go hiking there every particular summer. And one summer when I was in college, we went early in the summer. We went uh, in late May. And if y'all have been in Colorado around May, you know that, that the winter snow hasn't necessarily begun to melt. 
right? Uh, and so uh, my dad and I decided, you know what, that we're going to go hiking anyway. We're going to do this. So we were going to go on this, uh, this hike in Rocky Mountain National Park called Chasm Lake. For those of y'all who know it, uh, there's a lot that's in the trees. Uh, and for that portion, there was no, no real snow. So we hiked with our normal boots, wearing snowshoes on our back. We got up there, and then the snow began, so we put the snowshoes on, and we kept going. And then what happens uh, on a hike that's that height uh, is that the trees begin to die when they get too tall. It's called tree line, right? And so there are no trees above a certain certain height, around 11,000 feet above above sea level. Uh, So as we got up to tree line and the snow was all over the place, there was no clear path any longer. We began to see snowshoes headed in one direction and another, a hundred, maybe a thousand different paths. And that was no problem while we were going up, right? We knew exactly where we were headed in relation to the peak and the mountain that we were, we were, uh, we were hiking on. It was coming back down that was the problem. Those hundreds of different paths, we weren't entirely sure where they ultimately synced into one to go back into the trees and to find the path all the way down the mountain. See, we were lost, and it took about 45 minutes, at least it felt 45 minutes. Uh, sorry, that was, it felt way longer than 45 minutes um, to find where we were going. We had walked past uh, the, the correct path. We had walked down the mountain, back up the mountain, and we were frightened, not knowing exactly where we were. Um, it took about, like I said, 45 minutes before we remembered that there had been a creek that ran all the way down the mountain that we passed on the path. And ultimately, that if we found the creek, we could then find the path from there. Now, my point is that we don't really ever experience that feeling of being geographically lost uh, much at all anymore. But like, try to remember what life was like before you had a map with you everywhere you went. right? Um, before GPS, not knowing which way it was to get home, to get to safety, uh, to stay alive, right? If you don't know where you are at a given moment and you have no idea how to get out of it, it can be absolutely terrifying. And that's why we're spending the summer talking about the Proverbs. That's why this sermon is called, this sermon series is called Wisdom for the Way. Um, The Bible uses the metaphor of walking on a path uh, throughout. It talks about going on the way. Um, the book of Deuteronomy, right after uh, Moses has, has told people, the people of Israel about the Ten Commandments, he says this, he says, you shall walk in the way of the Lord, the Derek Yahweh, um, the way that the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live. It goes on from there. In numerous other places in Deuteronomy, the author refers to obeying God's commands, trusting him, following him as walking in the way, walking that particular path. And the way of God is then juxtaposed to the way of death. There's the way of the Lord that leads to life, and there's the way of death. Right? Going your own way is the way of death. And God says this in Deuteronomy verse 30, in Deuteronomy 30 verses 15 to 19. He says, See, I have set before you today, I set before you life and good, death and evil. 
If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I commanded you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and by keeping his commandments and his statutes and his rules, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. There's one way that leads to life and there's another way that leads to death. When we walk God's path, that is the right path for us to take. But the Bible refers to our own way going off on our own path as as turning to the left or turning to the right. You might have heard it saying that. And it's into that biblical context that the New Testament continues with that metaphor of the way, with that metaphor of the path. And Jesus himself picks up on it when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? And so as Christians, we believe that it is in loving him and obeying him and in following him that we actually seek and find life. I heard one pastor say it this way, that a lot of times, particularly in American Christianity, we believe that, like, I just need to believe in Jesus, and then I'll have life. It's actually less about believing, it's more about belonging to him. The point is, it's not just intellectual agreement, right? You can intellectually agree that that's the right path, but if you don't walk it, it doesn't make really any difference, Right? Um, it's trusting him. It's saying that you are my home and you are my way home. So as Christians, you might have heard this said, we are, uh, that, that in the book of Acts and even in the, new, uh, the early church referred to Christians as people of the way. Right? Um, we believe that there is a right path and that path leads to life. And my point for us this evening is that we need wisdom to know how to navigate life here and now as we pursue Christ. Um, Because there are distractions and there's dangers to the left and to the right. right, We get distracted by whatever our our culture tells you um, is is our true home. You know, God is withholding from you. You're not going to find real happiness doing this or achieving that. Um, Whatever God has told you, no. Your real happiness comes from making a lot of money, from fulfilling all of your dreams, from unleashing or satisfying your sexual desires, or from getting or remaining as beautiful as you can possibly be. That's where true hope and true joy and happiness comes from. At least that's what the false paths of our world try and tell us. And when we follow those paths, anything that we pursue, anything that moves us to the left or to the right is at best a mirage, and at worst, it is a trap that desires to capture us and to hold us. They tell us to follow this path for so long, and they lead us into the middle of nowhere, ultimately making us feel lost and maybe even more concerned than we were before before we left on the journey, so to speak. Um, I don't know how many of y'all have ever seen the documentary, The Weight of Gold. Uh, it's an interview with uh, past Olympians who have devoted their entire life to winning and about the immense depression that they all get 
when they achieve it, when they win, because they've realized that it was a mirage, that that path that they walked down, that purpose that was going to fulfill at least what they anticipated and hoped for, they found out that it left them more empty than they felt before. Our passage today teaches us that wisdom to follow the way is these three things. It is, it is for all aspects of our life. It is accessible to all. And it is a faithful path for us to walk. So it's for all areas of life. It's accessible and it's faithful. Let me uh, first talk about how it's for all of life. Um, you may have heard people say, or maybe you've even said this yourself, my faith is private. Uh, my beliefs are my own. Or I don't, I don't trust institutionalized religion. I don't know, um, like I said, if, if you all have ever said these things or maybe you've thought these things. Um, but there's a tendency in American Christianity to privatize and to individualize faith such that it has kind of it begins to have nothing to do with anything in our life, save you know, maybe a ticket to heaven. Um, it's sort of the way in which we treat Christianity or the way in which we treat our faith. But Proverbs is saying something different, that if we want to know the right way, if we want to walk the path that leads to life and not to death, then we need wisdom, because wisdom concerns all of life. Right? It's, it's not just cool knowledge that we're supposed to gain and pithy sayings to follow, but it's instruction in the right way to live. Solomon in verse 1 rhetorically asks, does not wisdom call? Does she not raise her voice? Right? As she beckons for people to listen to her, it doesn't seem like she's waiting around uh, to gain much of an audience. Sort of uh, the image I, I had, I don't know if y'all have seen Hamilton, uh, right? But, but King George is like fanboy farmer who stands up in the middle and starts arguing with Hamilton. Hear ye, hear ye. He's trying to gain an audience and does so, but it, for, the, for the wrong reasons, right? Lady Wisdom does not wait until there's an audience to begin speaking. But unlike the fanboy in Hamilton, it is not the stupidity or the train wreck that's about to happen that garners our attention. It's because what she's about to say is true, beautiful, and good, right? Verse 3 gives us a big clue as to what wisdom's purpose is for us. It says that she stands beside the gate, Right. Um, the gate uh, would have been like the town square in, in that particular time. Uh, it's, where, it's the market where people conducted business. It's the town square where people debated political issues. It's where the disputes were ultimately handled. Right? So wisdom can be found in the center of all of that. Why? Well, because wisdom concerns all aspects of your life. We need wisdom from God to know how to deal rightly with, with money. We need wisdom from God to know how to think about political issues, issues of governance, of rights, uh, and of loving our neighbors. We need wisdom in our jobs, in our homes, in our leisure activities. There is no area of our life where wisdom is not required. That is to say that wisdom from God is needed not just for Sunday, but for every day of the week. 
Right? We need wisdom as we conduct business and as we conduct life. And, you know, okay, you, you know that already, but look again at this passage. Right? Lady Wisdom, the personification of wisdom, isn't just speaking about work, politics, or money. She is actually participating in it. She's conducting her very speech in the heart of the marketplace, right? in the heart of political discourse. She's getting loud in public about topics that we would call taboo. Right? Don't tell me how to spend my money. Don't tell me to place any limits upon myself. And certainly don't tell me what counts as good and evil. I have my truth. You have your truth. Right? Don't you dare speak into any of those things. That's what we think. There's a tendency when we, when we relegate Jesus or we relegate our faith to Sunday or, or to just like a corner of our heart that we begin to listen more and more to the wisdom or the foolishness of the world. Right? We say with kind of utter cynicism to God, like, God, I know that you're telling me I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself, but it's just too hard. That's the way the world is. Right? Lord, your thoughts aren't relevant. You don't know how life really works. We begin to believe that the way to religious prosperity in the church is, is by political force, not through suffering and through holiness. That's just the way that it is, Lord. Or we begin to think that the way for a church to grow um, is by building a big platform, um, putting my face on a billboard, uh, you know, uh, or, or things along those lines rather than being about shepherding and care because, you know, Lord, Father, you don't know how to grow a church. That's just the way it is. Or maybe even it's about the way we conduct business, right? Uh, God, you know, the way to conduct business is just to look at the bottom line no matter what. That's just the way that it is. But in our passage, wisdom stands in the middle of the business district, business district and shouts, there is another way. The way of wisdom teaches us to navigate the workplace in such a way that we bring prosperity to all people involved in our commerce, not just to ourselves or to our constituents. Wisdom teaches us that public policy um, is supposed to bring forth life and flourishing for all, not just for those who look like us, think like us, or are related to us. Wisdom teaches us that we are to tune out the foolish voices telling us to turn to the left or to the right. The ones that say, it's easier if you just listen to me. Don't follow the Lord. That is a hard path. Right? Cut these corners and you don't have to worry. Follow these secret steps and, and all will be well. But the beauty of wisdom is not just that she is necessary for all of life, but it's also that she's accessible. And that's, that's our second point. Um, have you ever been on a website and off to the side, you know, usually where the, all the clickbait is, it says, doctors hate this one simple trick, uh, right? Or five secrets to weight loss that they aren't telling you. And you're not really sure who they are, right? Um, but the reason that they put those things on the websites is that they work, right? Though we actually are like, well, what are they not telling me, right? What is that one secret that all of the doctors in this room right now are not telling me and would hate if I found out about, right? 
We're obsessed with the idea that there is some learned person out there who knows the secret answers to all of our problems. We love the idea that there's this mass conspiracy even to keep all of us from knowing that one particular trick that will keep us from having to go to the doctor, whether it's an apple a day or whatever it might be, right? Um, We're obsessed with the idea that there is an easy but hidden path to certainty. Um, And that's true whether that's about our health or whether that's about, you know, our business or whether that's about our faith in uh, our life. Um, we think that we need to find the secret passcode that says, like, the, the open sesame, right, to, to get to know the secret to abundant life. And we think that we need that with God, too. What's the secret, Lord, to parenting? Right? What's the secret to finding the right spouse or, uh, you know, to, to happiness? Well, the way that many of us, I think, in the church, at least this is what I've encountered a decent amount on a more practical level, is I've heard people will say, you know, in order to really understand the Bible, once I really understand the Bible, my life is going to get better. But in order to do so, I need to learn Greek and Hebrew. I need to go to seminary. I need to study with the greatest of the theologians, and then I will understand the Bible. And when I understand the Bible, my life will be perfect, and everything will go as plans. But what does Proverbs say here? Right? Not only is Lady Wisdom found beside the gates, but she's also found at the heights and in the crossroads. Right? Lady Wisdom is clear. She is in public. She's not hiding in the shadows. She's not behind a speakeasy door waiting for the right knock or the right passcode. Right? She's on the stage for all to see. She's in the most obvious of places. And the point is that she does not call out to the extra special, um, to those who are particularly smart with an IQ above, you know, what it fill in the the blank. This isn't for the Illuminati or for just men or for just women. She is speaking to those with wisdom and understanding, and she is speaking to the simple and the foolish. It is for all. Yes, there are parts of God's scriptures that are hard to understand. Yes, there are advantages to knowing Greek and Hebrew to better understand the nuances of the very detailed theological points at times. But let me tell you that it does not lead to a deeper relationship with the Lord. Because I've said before, and as I'll say again, the driest and most difficult spiritual time of my life was when I was learning Greek and Hebrew. Wisdom, godly understanding, right living, and life is open for all. Right? And that's, we know this instinctively. Right? Sometimes the wisest people that we want to get advice from are those who maybe have, have spent the least amount of time at school. It's our, our grandmother who, who loved us super well, who has the best folk-like advice that you've ever heard, but understands the way of the world and understands the way it's supposed to be as well. Right? It's not secret. It's not extra special in that regard. So in in essence, study Greek and Hebrew if you want. I'm not denigrating it, right? Study any language. Study uh, medicine to your heart's desire and all of the things that we need or want to know about God and his world. 
but not so that we will somehow find the extra special knowledge that will bring us true and genuine happiness because you won't find it there. The main point of this particular aspect of wisdom is that the Bible is clear. Wisdom is clear. When I say that, I'm using a kind of plain language. One of the main points of the Reformation was that we don't need somebody extra special to tell us exactly what the Lord has taught us in, in scriptures. Um, we don't need someone to teach us the secrets of life because it has been revealed to us in the Bible. Yes, there are particularly challenging parts of the Bible, and I'm not saying that, but what I am saying is that the main thrust of it, that we are a sinful, broken, rebellious people, that God is a gracious, loving, and ever-pursuing God, that Jesus came for you, that Jesus died for you, and that in him is life and salvation, it leaps off the page as you read the scriptures. You don't need me to tell you that. You don't need an extra special person to read the scriptures in, in whatever language you want it to be. It leaps off the page. That's one of the beauties and one of the points that Solomon is making here. Wisdom is leapt. It is, it is shouted from creation. It is shouted from the scriptures themselves. It's not just for the learned pastor to teach others the wisdom of God, but it is for all who fear the Lord, who are humble, and who seek Him. And that's my th- to the third point, which is that wisdom is faithful. So piggybacking on the idea that wisdom is not, not secretive and kind of operating in the shadows is the idea that, that wisdom is right uh, and it is righteous. Verse 7 says, wisdom is truth. And it's not just some sort of like esoteric idea here uh, of truth. It's, um, it's not truth as in like 2 plus 2 is 4. Um, it's truth in relation to one another. It's truth that's lived out in relationship Excuse me, with this world. That's why Solomon continues from there to say that it is, it is righteous. Um, a definition of righteous, uh, righteousness in the Bible is, is, um, is holiness. Right? It's pure judgment, pure living in relationship to another. Right? There's, there's nothing wrong with wisdom is essentially what he's saying. Um, it doesn't tip the scales of judgment in favor of one over another. It doesn't skew or work the world to benefit one group over another. Um, Wisdom acts and instructs with the character of God. So Solomon goes further to say, not only is it righteous and right, it is straight. In essence, it is not twisted and crooked. It is open to all. The the language is plain. It is understandable. It's easy to see. Unrighteous speech is, is twisted and it's crooked. It's deep fakes, right? It's taking something that is slightly true. Uh, it is taking something that is true and twisting it, right? So that there's just enough truth in it so that it will really stick in our hearts and in our minds. But in its twisting, it leads us down a false path, right? It's creating that, that raw, those wrong foot, footprints in the snow that, that lead us away from our home, that lead us further and further into being lost. But Lady Wisdom's speech is straight. It's reliable. 
It's firm and dependable. In essence, if we follow her instruction, if we follow that way, then it will lead us back home. It will lead us to life. Um, And if you're like me, you've not always made the wisest of choices. So what do we do? Is there any particular hope for us when we have failed to go the way of the Lord? Um, And the whole point of this passage is yes. There is hope. This passage ends with an explanation of the refrain of, of the fear of the Lord, which is repeated again and again in the book of Proverbs. Right, last week, Curtis read for us the famous passage that the fear of the Lord, uh, that, that <clears throat> wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord, I should say. When we humble ourselves to listen to the Lord, that is actually where we begin to find wisdom. The point is that no matter where we find ourselves, right, following any given snowshoe path, at that point at which we say, I am lost and I need I need help, is the point at which wisdom actually comes to us and finds us. It's recognizing, actually, that Jesus has found us. Um, As we turn to him, we we find Lady Wisdom, we find Jesus. As I mentioned um, at the beginning, Jesus tells us that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Right? But he is also the true embodiment of wisdom. Lady Wisdom is not a prophetic passage uh, in the sense that like, this is foretelling us about who Jesus is going to be, about who the Messiah is going to be. But nonetheless, Jesus is the fulfillment of all that Lady Wisdom is proclaiming to be here. His life, his words, his salvific works, and his kingdom testify to the right way of life, but not only that, they remind us that in him is where we find true and real and genuine life. So wherever, whatever path it is that we are walking, whatever path we are pursuing, as we recognize that there is no life there, I'm lost. Jesus has pursued you and he will find you. And in him is life and it is is light and it is life. Would you all pray with me under that end? Father, we thank you that again and again and again you find us. Lord, though we are foolish, though we walk our own way, though we listen to uh, others that we shouldn't listen to, um, you beckon that we would come back to you, we would relate to you, that we would walk in you uh, and with you. We thank you that you have done so, uh, that you have offered us Jesus Christ to be a light unto our path, a lamp unto our feet. But not only that, Father, that you have said that in Christ, he is our way home and he is our home. And so, Father, may we turn toward him whenever we feel confused, whenever we feel foolish, knowing that in him is the wisdom of the world. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.